Welcome to Unthinkable, I'm Jay Kunzo, and it's time for another Slingshot. These are short stories of creative side projects that led somewhere unexpected. What actually happens when people follow their intuition and turn it into action? That's what we're exploring today. So going from sort of behind the scenes to being really enjoying the the spotlight or being out there as a, as a voice and doing speeches and panels and stuff I would never have thought of. It has changed my life significantly, but sort of the most amazing thing is the number of connections in the city that I've met. This is Tom O'Keefe. He's one of the most famous people in Boston, thanks to his nearly 200,000 followers on social media. But ask people in town if they know Tom O'Keefe, and most will say no. Because around here, Tom goes by a much different name. Boston Tweet. It was a crazy time for me. So I started Boston Tweet in November 2008, uh, which if you remember, Lehman Brothers crash, September 08. The economy was going into a recession, maybe a depression. And at that time, I had two internet startups that I had, one of that I launched in May called Bizac, which was a valuation tool for internet startups, which at that time then all of a sudden became sort of worthless. <laughs> uh, and then I had this uh, uh, partner where the doctor created something called Infomed MD, which was a symptom checker, which actually probably did quite well during a recession because everyone was uh, getting stress and heart pain, yeah. chest pain and stuff. And so, after five years of working on his own startups, Tom faced the most horrifying thing in the world for any entrepreneur. Get a job working for someone else. But on the side, on this two-year-old social network that nobody really understood at the time, Tom opened the account at Boston Tweet as a way to brand myself indirectly by creating awareness for local business. I actually wanted Boston Tweets, plural, uh, because I was like, I'm definitely going to send more than one tweet. <laughs> and thankfully, someone already had that. So I went with Boston Tweet because today, Boston Tweet's sort of synonymous with me as a nickname. Uh, everyone calls me Boston Tweet. But that's the way it innocently started, not expecting anything, expecting maybe in a few months to be able to get a job in January. And uh, after that, who knows what? Yeah, Tom would end up never needing to go get that job. For the next month, he ran around the city tweeting about local restaurants, bars, community events, and more. So at that time, I was trying to cover everything happening in the city. I probably sent 30 tweets a day. And, uh, you know, it was new and it just started taking off. And then companies started coming to me to make connections in Boston. Including a company you probably have heard of, one that was the fastest growing in history at one point, Groupon. Now... Being an early adopter, this wasn't the first time that Tom had tried to use Twitter in its two-year history. So I tried Twitter early 08 talking about Tom O'Keefe. Super boring topic. Uh, didn't go anywhere, and I didn't know what to how to use Twitter for that. It just didn't make sense for me. There was only so much you could talk about. Then when I turned it around and said, let's look at Boston and report about what's going on in Boston, it was super easy. Suddenly, Tom had endless material to share, material that others who didn't already know him might actually care about. Just one problem. At that time, Twitter was mainly early adopters like Tom, and as far as he could tell, only three restaurants out of the hundreds and hundreds in Boston were using Twitter. So I asked him point blank, with that reality, why would you launch a side project on that network? It, uh... I don't know. It was just thrown out there, to be honest. It really was a test. And the test started paying off. In just about a month, Boston Tweet had grown to over 2,000 followers, which, at the time, was pretty unheard of. Then, 
things started happening that Tom could never have expected. Yeah, I think it was that summer, summer of 09, uh, is when a lot of the media in Boston started inviting me in, talking to them uh, on TV shows, on um, Radio FNX, who I miss dearly. had me in frequently within that summer and talking about Twitter. And what was really blowing me away there was a lot of stuff I was tweeting back then was showing up on boston.com or or being talked about on the radio so it was a huge awakening for me to see that social media is starting to influence traditional media actually i remember one of djs saying um that you have a bigger audience and more influence than us on the radio and for me that was huge because i grew up listening to djs i mean think about that this simple project opening a Twitter account for free in seconds and just documenting things that he ate and drank around the city, that had given Tom more influence over Boston than most of the local media. And right when he thought this can't get any crazier, it did. Tom was invited to attend a community party at Fenway Park, home of the Red Sox. Uh, Linda Piazzati came up to me, who was John Henry's wife, and uh, ran over and said, I'm a huge fan. I knew who she was. Uh, I'm a huge fan of what you do. And I kind of looked around and said, I, you must have me confused for somebody else. Um, so that was sort of the huge point where I was like, wow, this is really affecting people, and not, not just students, because a lot of what I talked about was value in the city because it was during a recession, but also people that have massive influence in this, in this town and, and other towns uh, to actually affect them and have them be fans. And it was, uh, uh, it was a very awakening period for me. Over time, Tom's account reached such heights that people from the influential down to people just moving to the city would turn to it for nearly everything about Boston. And you know what they say, with great power on Twitter comes great troll ability. I've always said the best thing about Twitter is a nonstop flow of information. Uh, and the worst thing about Twitter is the nonstop flow of information. So it's always has been a challenge trying to get media out there immediately. So I, when Mayor Menino died, I went for a run and I remember coming back to my phone 30 or 40 minutes after the news broke and people tweeting me saying, why wouldn't he report on Mayor Menino's death? Um, and it was 30, 40 minutes. You know, years ago, it was sort of yet 24 hours to report the news when the na- newspaper came out. Even Tom's own friends would start giving him a hard time about this stuff. Like my college buddies never think I have a job. They're all finance guys. PC is all finance or lawyers. Um, so one of the guys had a, had a bachelor party and they wanted it to be at Foxwoods. But I have a really good relationship with Mohegan's son. I'm like, I think we had like 20 guys, five rooms. It would cost two, three, four thousand dollars. So I'm like, if I can get rooms for free at Mohegan Sun, can we go to Mohegan? They're like, damn, of course. Um, got there that night, everything was calm for us. We had dinners calm for us. And at this first time, you sort of like like a parent is finally proud of their child. It was the first time that I saw my friends being like, all right, we still don't know what the hell he does, but he must do something. So And that's the entire point of side projects. It's to do something. It doesn't matter if other people don't get it or even if you think others won't even notice it. In Tom's case, he had no idea if anybody would even see it. He said it was a test. He said he just put it out there. And when you just start putting projects out there, well, they just might change your life. 
So it's amazing. So back then I sort of had a network of a few of my BC friends and that was about it. Um, sort of didn't like to talk on radio, on microphone, on, especially on TV. Had one or two photos of myself, um, including that avatar. It was really the only picture I had of myself in then. So going from sort of behind the scenes to being really enjoying the the spotlight or being out there as a, as a voice and, and, and doing speeches and panels and stuff I would never have thought of. Uh, so it has changed... Um, it has changed my life significantly, but sort of the most amazing thing is the number of connections in the city that I've met. Everyone has that I know in the city now is because of that. So uh, it's made the city a much more uh, friendlier place for me, and I always see people on the street. So that's been amazing. Um, but it is night and day for me. Today, Tom splits his time between Boston Tweet and running an organization he founded called Flutter, which offers raffle tickets for fun local experiences to raise money for charity. The crowd has been good to Tom over the years, and now he's hoping the crowd can do some good for others. Um, very small local charities, which if you give them a check for two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000, it's massive. It's, it's huge for them. I would much rather ride in a hood blimp over Fenway Park than go out with George Clooney. So, uh, um, you know, I think every small town has these local experiences that could raise money for local charity. Ever since Tom launched this side project, that stupid, simple, random side project, his life has changed dramatically. But in all of this, he's come to believe one truth about others. People are really, ultimately, good. Really good. Tom is no Spider-Man. There's no mask. In fact, there's his face, right there on his Twitter profile. But in today's crazy world of internet trolls and scandals and clickbait headlines, it's nice to know that there are still some people out there willing to launch projects simply to do some good for others even if they never know it was you. And that's unthinkable. <laughs>